The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. You're watching on YouTube. Please uh, smash the like button like you're Brandon Davies. You have consent. And if you haven't yet subscribed to the CBS Sports College Basketball YouTube channel, please also do that while you're here, okay? Let's get into it. First question, Norlander, why are you so dark? They don't have sun in Connecticut these days? Well, have you been watching the news? You realize what's going on out there right okay, now? Yeah, no, I did. I, I watched the Mets game last night, so I know what's going on. I mean, I got a semi-nuclear winter situation going on right outside my uh, window right here up in the northeast. So there are uh, a lot of Canadian wildfires. And yes, no exaggeration. Like, there is a haze. In fact, I'm in my office here. I'll get to why my screen is so dark in a second. Um, and... Like in the winter, uh, this room can get cold if I don't turn on the heat. And in the summer, because all the windows, it can just it can get really hot. So I left the window open, and then this morning I checked. I was like, "Oh, it smells horrific in here." Fortunately, I filtered it out, and we're good. We're good to go. But I almost had to not podcast in this oh, office. Wow. Uh, air quality is terrible mm-hmm. in Connecticut, New York, and much much of the Northeast. I know the Buffalo area to our to our listeners uh, in and around that area, to our Canadian listeners in Toronto. Hope you're doing all right. It's it's truly brutal. Now, as for this situation, mm-hmm. um, uh, my my work issued Mac stopped taking a charge over the weekend, so I need to ship that out, get it fixed. It, the hard drive's good, but the battery stopped working. So I'm on a backup computer. In fact, I'm on the Gusters for Lovers laptop right now, if you must know. And because of that, I do not have the software linked to my normal tripod HD camera. So I'm coming to you from my Mac, my my onboard camera. And so here we are. So that is why I am looking a little bit different today. Oh, and, and oh, by the way, one more thing. Um, same day the computer uh, crapped the bed, fridge broke. Done. Oh, no. So I am apparently getting a refrigerator delivery at some point in the next 15 minutes to four hours. So it could happen on the middle of this podcast. And I can only hope that I have your good fortune. And they accidentally deliver two, but I'm only banking on one. (laughs) 
I, yeah, they, they, they kept, it would not, Lowe's would not stop delivering me refrigerators one, like this last time we got a refrigerator. I was like, dude, you've already brought it. Why are you bringing me another refrigerator? They just kept bringing them. Like the, their paperwork was terrible. So um, I should correct myself before somebody else does. I said, oh yeah, I know what's going on in New York because I watched the Mets game last night. The Mets were in Atlanta last night, but, um, but I did, but I did see the Yankees game oh, last man. night. And I know that the Yankee, that uh, it was a, I, I understand what's happening in New York City. I hope you guys uh, in the surrounding areas. I hope you guys get all that straight. Yeah, yeah. Quickly, quickly, quickly. All right. Hey, it's a mailbag episode. Yeah. And uh, mailbag episodes are typically um, a byproduct of uh, there ain't nothing else to talk about. (laughs) You want to go go deep on Olivia Kamwa to Michigan right now? And so we start with Olivia Kamwa verbally committing to John Howard's Michigan Wolverines. Like, I don't I, like I'm happy. He's, he's a good player. I'm happy for Michigan. Uh, hopefully he'll be terrific for them. But doesn't seem like the type of thing you lead a college basketball, national college basketball podcast with. Mm-hmm. So we've got a mailbag put together. Uh, the way this happened is uh, Norlander said, hey, why don't we do a mailbag? And I'll go get all the questions, and then uh, you can look at them later. And so that's exactly what we did, and now here we are. We got them. By the way, we got most of the prepared ones. We got a question in the chat about this George Washington mascot. I got thoughts. We'll get to it before the end of the show. But we do have mailbag questions. I do, before we get to the questions, I'd like to at least give a little love to the people that take the time to send a few notes that aren't uh, questions here. So before GP reads the first one, I am going to share with you some quick, quick correspondence. One is from the middle of the season that I just kept forgetting to mention. I want us to take a note of this for next season. Okay, there's an ongoing pattern here. So Evan from Boston wrote, again, this is the middle of the season. Do you subscribe to the notion that this year's national champion will be from one of the top 12 from this year's week six AP poll? In case you didn't know, that's been the case from every tournament since 2004. The week six AP poll, one team ranked in the top 12 of that specific poll, week six, has gone on to win the national championship. You know what, Parrish? It happened again. Yeah, because like U- UConn at that point was like probably top five in the country. UConn was third. It was Purdue, Virginia, UConn, Bama, Houston, Tennessee, Texas, Kansas, Arizona, Arkansas, Baylor. Duke was the top 12. Uh, lo and behold, there we have it. Uh, Evan, we appreciate the correspondence. Evan or someone else literally remind us this in like week five of next season. Someone take a note. Parrish and Nada and I will absolutely forget about this, but I do want to make it a mini segment in the middle of next season. want to give a shout to Paul from Midlothian, Virginia, who said, what's with the continued reference to Mick Cronin as the greatest coach ever at UCLA? I like your podcast. You may think that's funny, but it's totally disrespectful to the most accomplished coach in history. Stop. It's not funny. I think we had another, someone else also send something like this on the last mailbag podcast. People stop sending us these emails. Okay. Accept it. Mick Cronin's the greatest in history. Andrew from Carmel, Indiana writes, I just want to let you know that I've successfully convinced my entire family, multiple teachers and countless peers that one Elvis Presley did indeed intend UMass Lowell. Of course, no convincing should be necessary, but it turns out very few have been enlightened to the truth. I'm putting the work here in Indiana. Andrew from Carmel, Indiana. We appreciate that. And to other listeners, if you'd like to continue this ruse on an unsuspecting nation, we do sincerely appreciate it. I got one more. Ryan McGee writes, I'm a longtime listener of the pod. I remember when Goodman, Borzello, and Vicini were on as uh, in addition to uh, when Norlander brought on Greg Doyle. That did happen way back. So McGee's an, an OG listener. We always appreciate our OG listeners. Um, thanks for the work you two have done. Uh, all the enjoyment I've gotten from stumbling across CBS Sports' college basketball site for 15 plus years now 
has uh, has led to spending some time chuckling at camel fighting dodo birds, dead arms, dead legs. That time Norlander found a dead deer in his yard or when GP's kids left the hose running all night. If either of you decide to trip to Albuquerque to see the pit at its apex, give me a shout. P.S. I saw Umphreys McKee. Um, appreciate you, uh, Ryan. Umphreys is the absolute best as well. And uh, yeah, I remember that. When your kids left the hose on all night. Oh, and you I, I, wife. I haven't even told you the most recent one. Oh, I, I, if so I would have known we were going to talk about this, I would have sent out of the picture. Here's what my kids, uh, my youngest son, Louie, uh, did on su- uh, two Sundays ago while I was at the golf course. Can you see that? Yeah, that appears to be for our listener audience. Um, we've got some graffiti situation. I'm going to assume that's GP's house. And I don't even want to guess what he's trying to depict with that. Do you know what this dude did? He went in the garage, found a black pan, uh, can of spray paint for our white brick house. And uh, you know what he wrote? He wrote Oliver. He wrote his brother's name. He was uh, trying to frame uh, his nine-year-old he, brother. Yeah, uh, he, was going, he got caught in the middle of the act. But what he was trying to do is write Oliver on the side of the house. And then he was going to tell on Oliver, Mom, Dad, did you see what Oliver did? And instead, he got caught right in the middle of the act and had uh, spray paint all over his hands. And it was, it was a tough situation. So if anybody knows how to get... Uh, how how recent is this? Uh, two Sundays ago. It's still in the house. Oh yeah. I, th- now the lucky the lucky thing is this is the side of our house in the backyard. Like literally nobody will ever see that other than our pool guy, right? And our lawn people. But still, you don't want that on the side of your house. So I've got to I've got to do something to get it off, but I haven't done it yet. I've been busy. Olivia Kamwa committed to Michigan. What do you want me to do? Olivia Kamwa committed to Michigan. That's right. Um, man, that's yeah, that's a. Uh... That's a tough, that's a tough, tough, tough. Scene always there. something, um, man. Always something around. Want to get some questions here? Yeah, I guess, I guess we will. Now I will, you assign the questions. Yes. And I, I uh, looked at them and I immediately texted you and not and said, we should cut these. We should cut. Some we're going to get it done. And you said, we're going to get it done. We're not off to a great start, by the way. <laughs> hey, listen, the clock starts now. I think <laughs> okay. we can do this in 45 minutes. Okay. I, I did delete one question. And I don't remember which one it was because I did it oh, last it night. It not be the Ken Palm question that I literally went to Ken Palm to get no, his input. No, it, I did not delete any of yours. I deleted one of mine just because yeah. I thought, like, that doesn't, it just, I okay. don't know. I honestly don't even remember what it was. I just remember okay. not liking it at the time. But but we still have uh, 11 questions, I guess, that we'll get to. So let's start with the first one. It okay. comes from uh, Mike in Beverly, Massachusetts. Yes. And he wanted to hit us with a trivia time. It's a trivia time. I and I know it. The question is, did you look up the answer? Okay, I, I swear to God on my little guy's life. Well, I don't know how much that means, which is less valuable today is, than it was, say, two weeks yeah, ago. He is, he is defacing your property, so Here's, I don't really yeah, know how much. He, that he's means. a graffiti. I've, I've raised a graffiti artist. You know, I've raised a graffiti artist. Um, I swear to God, I did know the answer, uh, but I did then look it up to confirm it. But I did know yeah. the answer. Here was the question. Heading into the 2023-24 season, what team has the longest active winning streak in the country? And the answer, and I did know this. I didn't know exactly what it was, but I didn't know the school. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's Joe Gallo's Merrimack Warriors, right? It is Merrimack. And the number of games is? 11. I looked it up. They won the conference tournament, and then they were not eligible for the NCAA tournament because of a stupid rule that we've talked about before. That's but right. they will now enter the next season with an 11 game winning streak. That's an answer to a trivia time. And again, um, I looked it up to confirm it, but that was my first guess. Do not look at the chat because we have someone who has jumped me on. I was going to trivia time you off that trivia time. Go ahead. 
I'm not looking at the Who's two and three on the list? Longest winning streaks, active winning streaks. They're active going into next season. Yeah. Um, UConn. UConn's two. Who's three? Whoever won the NIT. I don't even remember. The conference, it was a CUSA school. CUSA school. Yeah, who got it? I don't remember. Come on! Coach is now at a different school. Oh, is it... uh... Did North... North Texas didn't win it, did they? North Texas won it. Did they? Texas on a five-game heater under new coach Ross Hodge heading into... Next season, that's your uh, first part of your trivia time. Spread the news to all your buds and uh, and trivia time on College Hoops in the middle of June. All right, I got another trivia time. Okay, let's go. Michael Cartman writes, Alabama has had three of their staff members get hired as head coaches this offseason. What other Division One team has done the same? Shouts to postmarital sex from your most loyal septuagenarian podcast listener. Okay. Thank you, okay. Michael Cartman. Okay, I remember... Um, I- <laughs> I remember seeing this question last night. I did not take the time to look it up, but off the top of my head, and I did not look this up, but this is what I this is what popped into my head, and I have no idea if it's right. It feels like a few years ago after Lon Kruger went to the Final Four at Oklahoma that everybody got hired. Okay, so that's what this question is. I um that's not correct because Carlin Hartman was an assistant and he did not get hired, but I think yes, he had two other staffers uh get hired i went through the process of looking at this it did not apply to a school this season so i don't have the answer okay great trivia time with no answer oh listen we're keeping up a trope here however there is a division one program at the power conference trivia time okay there is a d1 program at the power conference level that lost two assistants to head jobs can you name that program in three guesses you mean in a, in this a season, this off season, a power conference program lost two of its assistants to head coaching jobs. Okay. So we've already eliminated Alabama from this conference. Yeah, that doesn't count. Yeah. Alabama doesn't count. Yeah. Uh, lost assistants who became head coaches. Uh, you know, if you need a hint, I need Actually, a hint. You make the first guess and then I'll, I'll, I'll nudge you in the direction. Well, like not, nothing is even popping into my head like it's i'll know it when when i hear it but nothing like i wouldn't say the assistants were like they didn't go to big schools yeah i don't know i don't have an answer maryland okay grant billmeyer um grant billmeyer went to fdu and then tony skin went to his alma mater george mason so there was two this year Mm -hmm. if you were listening in the chat or listen michael cartman hit us back I don't know the other school that lost three assistants who had job in one single season. Next. Let's stop for a second. And I don't mean to get, uh, but I, this always, is it appropriate to say head job all the time? I don't know. Is that a problem? It's just like when I, when I was a kid, that was a term used to describe something else. Uh, I know a different term, but Okay. Yeah, and oh, I the, never used that term as a kid or with or with friends. So yeah. I always say that's hit, what you called it. Earmuffs. Really, if we got some thirteen year old, listen, if you're thirteen year old listening to the podcast, maybe just you know, scoot ahead for a quick second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Parents that is, car, that is, you know, that, just in, in ninety seconds, or it's GP, maybe two and a half minutes. Keep it safe. Go ahead. GP. No, that that is uh, that is one of the things that it would be referred to. And then you'd have a B job. No, that was a, okay. Okay. I'm trying my best here. But like, I always hear people talking about, oh, he's going to get, they'll say, oh man, that assistant. No one calls it that. 
That, I'm telling you, that was a part what? of my childhood. Yes. Listen, if if listeners want to, again, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, <laughs> email the show for any reason, shouts to CBS at gmail.com. And for future uh, mailbag episodes, shouts to CBS at gmail.com. We'll try and mix them in. If you use this phrase with your friends, mm-hmm. prove me wrong. I have never heard it referred to that. That that is that is a that was a comment. So I hear people all the time. They'll be like, "Oh yeah, that assistant at Maryland, he's great. He's going to get a head job soon." And it's like, "Yo, you can't say that on TV." <laughs> he's going to get a head coaching opportunity soon, but yeah. not a head job. I mean, you might get a head job. Head job gets the job done, you know. So well, it it's economy it of words. I think that depends. Okay. All right. Jury's out on it. Let us know. I feel like we should move. Chat I, feel, I feel like it's time to move on. All right. Where are we at? Is this you? for me? I yeah. got a question from Ross. Uh, sure. Go. Oh, so you, you deleted. Okay. You deleted the, the one that wasn't a question. Okay. I might have, yeah. Yeah. Someone yeah. just let us know. I thought, I thought it been a funny bit for the show. They said, I don't know if you're aware, but you can sort the data on barttorvik.com. You might want to check it out sometime. So yeah, we I, 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 I'm more interested in a, in a mailbag episode of a, ha, having questions that we can okay, answer. I just tried for a little bit of lightheartedness. Go. Uh, if that's true, then I think I'm next. I know, but I just I, I took one of mine from the bottom and moved it up or something. I don't All know. Right, what's go that. ahead. Ask the question, Parrish. It comes from Ross. Okay. He said, do you guys think that uh, Los Angeles... Mm. will ever be up for consideration for a final four. I know that in the past, I know that uh, past locations have a tendency to focus on cities central to the country, but with Phoenix a few years back and Vegas upcoming, is there a chance Los Angeles, SoFi Stadium, might be a future option? I mean, my answer is like, of course. Why wouldn't it be, right? Why wouldn't uh, it be? Basically, here's what you got to do to okay. host a final four. You have to have a dome, and you got to have the um, appropriate uh, number of hotels to accommodate uh, the people who will travel there for, for such an event. And Los Angeles clearly has both of those things. I don't know. I don't know why uh, Los Angeles wouldn't get a final four at some point. I also tried to sneak in a little comment from Ross about uh, Pearl Jam and Stephen Hyden. Cause he asked if I'd read the book. I have read the book. It's awesome. If you're a Pearl Jam fan and you have not read Stephen Hyden's long road, I do highly recommend it. GP and I disagree on this. My understanding of all this might not be the case. I'd love to be wrong. Is that because SoFi stadium, which, Oh, by the way, currently doesn't have the proper dimensions to be able to host the World Cup, which seems like a major oversight. Did we mention this on the show recently? Did you hear about that? There was another another prominent stadium that I, I believe is is under the same umbrella in the sense that they don't have it was built in a way that will not accommodate a World Cup, which makes yeah. no sense whatsoever. <laughs> it's just like you knew it was uh, just come on. Um, anyway, uh, because it is open air, there might be uh, an engineering way around this, although I don't know how practical that would be. My understanding that is that LA is not currently in the mix to host a Final Four, specifically because SoFi is an open-air stadium. Now, I'd actually, I'm intrigued by the minutia of this conversation in terms of how much wind would or would not play a factor. Oh, so let me stop. You, you can't close the roof at SoFi? I don't know. <laughs> well, if you can't close the roof, then no, you're not getting a final the roof. Four. Is already closed, but it is an open air stadium, so the there's a roof on I it. I got you, yeah. and then there's just natural airflow. Okay, that is why hosting Final Fours there doesn't seem to be on the docket, barring someone coming in and, and alleviating that situation. There was something I saw. There was some event there, and like it was raining, and it got real. You got you got to a real bad spot. And yeah, like, wasn't oh. was that was that SoFi? 
It I was believe, SoFi. I, I believe so. And somebody somebody made the point. Yeah, this is what happens when you don't put walls. Yes. Up. And so, I'm like, so I am now remembering that SoFi is unconventional. So I changed my entire answer. No, you, it's a goofy. It's a goofy stadium. You can have concerts there, but you cannot have a fun. Can't That's play it. basketball in a stadium that has open air walls. Okay. Let's go blind guess how much SoFi Stadium costs to build. I'm going to say, I'll say $2.7 What's your guess? $4 billion. $4 billion. I'm bringing up the wiki right now. Let's Look, see I covered we... my eyes. Okay, I'm bringing it up. Uh, where's cost here? It's got to be on cost. Five to $6 billion. Yeah. And, yeah. and then you, got, you can't host a World Cup. And imagine, imagine, and imagine if you had to put walls up on that thing. I know it might be another two billion easy, you know. So no, I'm I. Uh, I think Los Angeles would be wonderful for a Final Four, but you got to have a stadium with walls. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. All right. I got another question here. Actually, actually it's not a question. It's, uh, well, it's like a half question. Some people got some issues with you, GP. So okay. we're going to get to this here. I don't know if this is serious or not. Okay. <laughs> See what GP thinks of it. Michael Schemmel writes, will someone, and this goes back to, I think something we talked about three weeks ago, maybe a month now. Will someone please tell GP that marijuana mm-hmm. and cannabis related substances are banned by the NCAA. Please stop telling NCAA athletes mm-hmm. to use vape pens mm-hmm. that use cannabis or marijuana substances. Exclamation point. I love the news you guys give, but GP needs to stop his rants that make no sense or are morally reprehensible or outright illegal. Defend yourself. Gary Parrish. First off, marijuana is not illegal everywhere. All right. Um, it is legal in many states, including my home state, as long as you have a medical license uh, to, to, to purchase. So uh, the idea that it's illegal, just broadly speaking, that's not true. But by the uh, NCAA, is it still? The NCAA doesn't test you, I don't believe, until the I, NCAA I, tournament. I, that is my understanding as well. Uh, my understanding. Yeah. Yeah. So get high up until the NCAA tournament. And then <laughs> Michael Semmel is going to have an issue with this. Whole yeah. Thing. Just get, get high with vape pens or gummies. It, but like cut it out when it's time to go to the NCAA tournament. Easy. Right. I, I guess. Why did we get to talking about vape pens the last time? Because or, the, 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 the guy who was committed to Alabama. Oh, was in a yeah, that's car. right. That's why he got busted. That's yeah, right. He, they didn't just search his car for no reason. They smelled weed. That's and then they right. said, we smell weed. Now we have to search your car. And then they, they found weed and I think three loaded guns. And then he was, and then he lost his scholarship opportunity in Alabama. So my advice, which I think is totally sound advice, if you're going to smoke in a car, 
use a, a vape pen that has no scent because then nobody can smell it and then nobody can legally search your car. I'm not telling people to smoke who don't smoke. If you don't smoke, don't smoke. But if you're going to smoke, be smart about it. That's all. You're doubling down. You're doubling down. Yeah. Hey, hey, you know what else? Um, oh, no. <laughs> what? No, Maybe just, we just go to the next question. Yeah, I'll just stop right there. All right. I think that's I think that is uh, smart. That's, that's all I'm saying. Be smarter about it. Okay. It's you're up. Whatever one. I don't know what the order is now, so I'm just going to take whatever you read whenever you read it. Okay. Uh, should I just read it right off the p- thing here? Because it looks like we might be out of order. Sure. <laughs> whatever one you want to read. Yours are the ones in blue. Okay. Danny is uh, from Waterloo, Ontario. There we go. Hope you're doing okay up there in Waterloo. Yeah, I don't know if that's uh, smoke affected or not, but I uh, hope you're doing well, Danny. Yeah, I hope everything's all right in Waterloo. It says, props to GP and Norlander. Big shout out for their trophy segment. The Stanley Cup will forever be the best trophy in North American sports. That Melbourg episode was great. Thank you. P.S. If GP had one day with the Cup, could he parlay that into getting on the Cavender Twins OnlyFans? Could I? I don't have any interest in the Cavender Twins OnlyFans, I don't think. But, okay. but, but did you hear... About the woman in Australia with the OnlyFans? Do you know the I'm story? I'm unfamiliar. Um, continue with your story. My question off of this is, do you have an OnlyFans account? I don't. I don't even... I, I oh. know generally what this was, but like, do, do you have to register an account if you want to go on OnlyFans? Because I figure you're the expert on this. I have... I, I've ne- I don't know. I've never registered for an OnlyFans okay. account. I've never subscribed to one. Okay, I listen. The I people want to know. I don't so. that just I don't judge anybody who does it. It just it it's, feels it's eight pens of, of apps, I guess. Yeah, if any if you want to subscribe to some young woman or old woman's OnlyFans, doesn't matter to me. Could be knock man. yourself out. I just have never hand to heart, I've never done it. Okay. Uh, What's so, the Australia story? Okay. Wild deal. So this woman, young woman, she's probably, you know, 19, 20, 21. She's got an OnlyFans, like like you know, lots of young women do these days. And on this OnlyFans, she uh she has premarital sex on this OnlyFans. <laughs> okay. She does it. All right. And you can like pay her $7 a month and you can watch. Do we know it's premarital? Yes, I do. I've confirmed that much. Oh, you've. okay. So you've done the, you've done the digging. All right. Yeah. She is not married. Okay. But she's still doing it. And that is by definition, premarital sex. Although if you never get married, is it premarital? I think so. Do monthly mailbag episodes. They said the people will want to hear this. They said, if you never get married, are you technically having premarital sex? Are you just having sex? I don't know. It's a tough, tough. If, tough if we're going there, if we're going that existential, then, then all premarital sex isn't premarital sex because there's no assurance that will you will ever have marital sex. Okay, something to consider. Yeah. Um, so this woman, she's having premarital sex on OnlyFans. Like you can subscribe for like seven bucks a month, and uh, she's got to yeah, you, you know, know price down and everything. Okay. I mean, this I read all about this story. I thought it was wild. Okay. So I I, I turned it into a radio bit like you know we spent 20 minutes on it so this woman's got an only fans and she's got subscribers and there's this one subscriber he's got the screen name that is uh you know unique to him okay. and uh and she he's like always there constantly private messaging her constantly requesting private videos like hey behavior. if i give you an extra 300 dollars, would you make a video of you doing this thing right she was like sure like that's the business that's what that's the business she's in she's making these videos for this guy she sent him to the he's he's giving her thousands of dollars and then she's on her tiktok and she sees that person 
is watching her TikToks too. Same exact screen name. All right. And I gather when you start a TikTok, you got to put in like your phone number and your email, whatever. And so it showed her this TikTok user who has this screen name, the same screen name as your biggest supporter on OnlyFans is in your context, in your phone. Oh, this, no. This person, with this? this person's phone number that is attached to this account is a phone number you have locked into your phone. So she narrowed it down to like six people. It's got to be one of these six people. One of whom was her stepfather. Uh, I thought you were going to say brother, but it's all gross. Oh, my God. Stepfather who has helped raise her since she was 10 years old. Stepfather who still lives in the same house as her. All right? Man. So she, she goes, I, I think it's him. So she texts him. She says, you need to tell mom what you've done. Something like that. He texts back within two minutes. Hey, Tay, we need to talk. And it was him. Her stepfather had been, as she said, these are her words, not mine, had been watching her have sex on video with her partner and even requesting private videos. And often while he was doing this, he was literally in the room next to her. Come on, man. Stepmother divorced him. You have to, right? There's no coming back from that. Uh, yeah. You can't come back from that. There's no coming back from that. Gosh. You can't talk your way out of that one. What if I just said I knew the story and we all avoided that entire thing? You can Google it. Just Google only actually. Australia and uh, stepdad and it'll pop right up. You'll see it. It's everywhere. Man, oh, man. What a creep, huh? Telling me. Gosh. All right. Let's talk some college hoops. You're the one who picked these questions, not me. You picked the questions. <laughs> All right. It's time to talk. So to by the way, we have talked nothing about college basketball. That's about to change. Okay. That's not true. We, we mixed in. We mixed in a little Mary Mac. Yeah, okay. we talked a little Mary Mac and, a, and about a stadium we were both largely unfamiliar with. That's correct. <laughs> Tim, a Purdue fan from Indianapolis, writes. Mm-hmm. Don't you think the media is causing Indiana fans undue heartache by continuing to hold them to higher standards than they are capable? Since 1990, IU has only finished top three in the conference 13 times, not, mm-hmm. not first, top three, 13 times, and won a conference title five times. How can you reasonably tell the fans that they should expect to be there every year? I went ahead and did the research for the other Big Ten program since 1990. This is Tim's research. If there's an error, blame Tim. I did not fact check this. Top three finishes, conference title since 1990. Michigan State has 21, Purdue has 19, Ohio State 13, Indiana's fifth with 13, uh, tied with Ohio State, excuse me, tied for fourth, and then Michigan with 10. Please leave the Hoosiers alone. At some point, you have to help people realize their limitations rather than constantly set bars they can't clear. You you guys need to start talking about hashtag bone and start living by hashtag bone more than us. Gary Mm -hmm. Parrish. Yep. Are you causing Indiana fans some undue heartache? This dude would message his stepdaughter and he would be like, hey, if you have any green underwear, could you put that on? And he knew she had green underwear because he did the laundry. Come on, man. Let's talk about Mike Woodson. 
I don't think I put uh, undue pressure on Indiana's basketball program. Like, how would I even have the power to do such a thing? I feel like your your influence and commentary over Indiana basketball has been reason for much consternation, specifically as of late. Mm-hmm. They came for you recently. Mm-hmm. They came for you. So, yeah, no, I just think. Um, oh gosh, I, I think if things break the right, this is what I said. That I don't know why this is even a big, like, crazy thing to say. If if things break the right way, I think Indiana can be the second best team in the state this upcoming season, and maybe finish in the uh, top twenty-five at Ken Palm for the first time in what was it? What was it? It's been eight a while. Years. Eight years. Was it eight years? Something like that. Yeah, I think they, I think they could maybe do that. I mean, I wouldn't predict it. I'm not predicting it. But I think it's possible, and they should shoot for that. This is, this is a. Uh, I mean, it used to be one of the best programs in the country, so I think they they should aspire to, to be everything that, they used to be. Isn't I feel it? like the coverage around Indiana basketball is about where it should be from an expectation standpoint. Um, the fan base obviously has a deserved reputation for being among the most intense and invested, and fanatical in the country. There are many others that are right there alongside with them. Uh, but Indiana fans see their program as a top five program. A lot of them see them as a top five program in the country. They certainly have not been operating as that. And I feel like the coverage has appropriately been dialed back a little bit from an expectation standpoint. Um, I think some of that is even evidenced in what's to come this upcoming season. Like Mike Woodson will have a good team. I, I mean, I'm not going to, this isn't my instrument opinion heading into next season, but I don't necessarily expect Indiana to be a top three team in the big 10 next season. And uh, where Indiana fans land with all of that, um, I think is pretty interesting. I think they're going to give Woodson a little bit of grace, but it's been a nice first two seasons. And if next season we look up and IU is say six in the big 10, they'll begrudgingly accept it. But then the pressure will really, really be on for year four, uh, particularly if a guy like Dusty May who went to Indiana uh, you know, gets FAU back into the tournament with ease, and then suddenly they're they're already salivating at this idea that Dusty May will eventually be the head coach there. We'll see if that you know if the future winds up going that way. But um, we had a lot of Indiana correspondence, and I figured I wanted yeah, to well, um, at least one question. Like in all, in all seriousness, like I do think it is notable. I was leaning into it the last time we discussed this. I do think it's notable they have not finished in the top twenty-five at Kimbon since two thousand sixteen. Like it I, is notable. Yes, I, I would not even have. I would not have assumed that's true. But it is true. Um, they have underachieved the past two years under Mike Woodson relative to preseason Ken Palm numbers. They started at one place and finished lower. That's a fact. Um, what I think is wild is that when in, not wild, I just I've just noticed it. when Indiana fans get bothered by you pointing out facts, they uh, they'll say, "Oh, the reason Gary Parish is saying these things is because he's mad because." Uh, we fired his buddy, Archie Miller. A lot of that out there. Yeah. I don't even know the last time I talked to Archie Miller. All right. And uh, like, I respect him. I think he's a good basketball coach, but like the idea that we're buddy, buddy, that's not, not that's just not true. Um, beyond that, you'll get, you'll get some of this like, Oh, ever since he was wrong about Archie Miller, like I was the only one who was wrong about Archie Miller. You were, you were. do you realize that- you and Tom Fornelli? That's it. Do you realize that if on the day Archie Miller was hired, I tweeted, I don't know if this is going to work. <laughs> I would have been overwhelmed with Indiana fans calling me an idiot. Forget it. If I, if I, if, if I would have yeah. said, I don't know, you know, we'll see. If I would have said, 
Every Indiana fan that I'm aware of believed that Archie, uh, uh, Archie Miller would be fantastic at Indiana. And so did I. So you ready for this? I was wrong, but you ready for this? So were you, all of you. You were all wrong. And so you just ended up firing him like you fire literally every coach since before Bobby Knight. It's true. Another amazing, amazing stat. We'll see about Indiana. For us, you know, it is better for our show if Indiana is really, really good. Like Indiana being the fifth best team in the Big Ten, got a really good fan base, a really knowledgeable fan base. It just doesn't it doesn't serve the show best. So I'm I'm here to make the show as interesting as possible. And when Indiana is good, that's a very good thing. <laughs> doesn't look like it today. Okay. Well, <laughs> you're, you're, you're sure as hell trying. So, um, so we'll we'll see with with IU. But I at least wanted to uh, address the bevy mm-hmm. of correspondence we got regarding the Hoosiers. Okay. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Buddy. You're up. You, I can't believe you gave me this long question. Hey, what, you don't want to read? It's a lot of reading. Comes from Dan Simon. He wrote, I've decided the biggest issue with all the smart metric rating systems is they only measure a team's performance by its players. This neglects two of the most important factors in college basketball, the coach and home court advantage. Why haven't they found a way to rate and incorporate a coach's ability to win close games, score ATO, or all-time winning percentage. Add in expectation of winning at home, road, or home court advantage, and I think you have a much truer reflection of a team's capabilities. Of course, if you add these components, KU, Kansas, would have the greatest incremental addition to its team ranking. I do think that the coach and home arena are key components not measured in metrics. When only measuring the on-court aspects of a team, you're not measuring all that goes into a game. Let me stop here for a second. Okay. Are you sure all that's true? Because I'm not sure all that's true. I'm about to get to it once we finish. Yeah, because I believe I believe Ken Pomeroy, let's just keep this to Ken Palm. Yeah. I believe Ken has said in years past that his one way to be good in his system is to have been good consistently in your system. And so that that suggests that it does take into account um, success, program success, which is largely going to be tied to whoever the head coach is. So I, w- I would assume that some of this is baked in there somewhere, right? Or no? It is. Okay. It is. I thought so. Yes. Dan Simon also is a big DMB fan, so he got in there. I'm seeing him Friday, Dan. So thanks for, uh, thanks for the note there. You also had Lynn from New Jersey say, I'm a new listener. It seems like this season, everyone, including you, although you may have discussed it before, is talking about Ken Palm. Who or what is Ken Palm and why should I care? So uh, two and one. Now, I went with this exact question from Dan. I went to Torvik and I went to Pomeroy. And here's what they said, okay? about 
Why aren't you taking the coach into account? Why aren't you taking home court advantage? I'm waiting to hear where Torvik is right now, but Pomeroy first. He said, the ratings thing is complicated. A team's rating is an estimate for its strength on a neutral court. So if we assume Kansas has more home court advantage, their rating would actually get worse. Also, the ratings are not just measuring the players, which Dan assumed was the case. They're measuring everything that produces the final score. So some coaching gets naturally included, though I would be open to small, close game bonuses when making predictions for self and Allen Fieldhouse. Meantime, I went to your guy, Torvik. Did you know you can sort the data? I did know that. Been doing it for years now. First of all, I texted Torvik. He said, greetings from Mauritius. Trivia time! Where what? is Mauritius? Oh, that's up in... Uh... Where is Mauritius? Yeah, that's... Uh, I think... Uh, there we go. I think it's su- southern, southern Montana, I believe. <laughs> it's... It's a uh, it's a it's a it's a puddle jump off the coast of Madagascar. He's in the middle of the Indian Ocean right now. What is he doing over there? I have no idea. But I hit him this. He goes, "Greetings from Mauritius, where I'm having some rum." But I'll give this question a shot. And then he sent back. Here's his here's his explanation. I got I got three graphs worth. But I think it is worth addressing because, frankly, the pod we do reference Pomeroy, Torvik, Sagarin, and the like often and. For those that might be interested in why we do that and what these rankings mean, I thought this was a very good question. He said, I have a couple of thoughts. First, the difficult aspect of this question is that it assumes that these aspects of coaching skill and home court advantage are very important factors for judging team quality that somehow do not reveal themselves in what our systems use to judge teams, which is basically margin of victory. Yes, Bill Self is a great coach and Fog Allen is a great home court advantage, but both of those facts get incorporated into the ratings because they help Kansas beat good teams by a lot of points. I don't think Kansas is perpetually underrated uh, in T-Rank or at Kempom. Second, we would love to be able to incorporate anything we can to measure that improves the predictive power of the ratings, but there's just no low-hanging fruit. Kempom does track individual team home court advantages, but to my knowledge, has not incorporated them into the ratings. And if you look at those home court advantages, generally what you see is that teams at altitude have unusual advantages, but other than that, it's not particularly intuitive and seems somewhat random because the number one thing that predicts whether a team plays well at home or whether it plays well is whether they're at home or on the road. In other words, most teams are good at home and, and, and good on the road and vice versa for bad teams. Last thing, things like performance in close games are tantalizing data points, but usually turn out to be fool's goat. For, for example, the best teams don't play close games. There was a good joke on Twitter last season about Dan Hurley and he, how he refused to win close games because they just blew everybody out. In quote-unquote close games on my site, six points or fewer or decided an OT, UConn, was just one in five. Should I have docked them in the ratings for this? I don't think so. Basically, whatever signal there may be in that kind of data is drowned out by the noise. Back to my rum. Very uh, enlightening answer there from Torvik, and thanks to, to Pomeroy as well. So, lesson is, the play, everything that goes into a result is, is automatically baked in, and coaching is a part of that. I've long held that belief as well, but it is a valid question, and I have heard people kind of bring that up before. You bring up uh, Bill Self, or they bring up Bill Self. Bill Self got brought up. Did you see the quote from him the other day? I did not. Bill Self was meeting with the media. You know what he said? It's a wild thing for this guy to say. He said, we're getting ready to take this thing to another level. <laughs> he did. I swear to God. Well, like, why didn't we fire up the emergency <laughs> podcast machine when he said that? Dude, hold up. If Kansas is about to go to another level, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> they won a title two years ago. Number one seed last season. 
preseason, going to be preseason number one heading into next season. And Bill Self is ready to take it to another level that the place has never been. That's what he said. We're going to take this to another level where we've never been. I think he needs to consult with uh, with the scientists at MIT because I don't know if such a level is even known to exist. Dude, in this, 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 this is going to be what? the reason Gonzaga and UConn de- decline invitations to the Big 12. They're like, listen, we would do it. We would under normal circumstances, but Bill Self just said he's taking things to another level and he's basically got one of the best teams in the country every year. We're, I think he's been a number one seed in 10 of the past 16 NCAA tournaments and he's he has decided now, now's the time to take it to another level. And that's we're, the thing is like he, we're he, not he, had, he had not met with the media for uh, quite a while. He knew that it was coming and he knew what he had to say and he thought about it. He said, you know what? I've made up my mind. This thing's going to another level. What Pick level out. can they go to? They win their league basically every year. They're a one seed more often than not. What level are they going to? Do you think he's going to try to win an NBA title or a Stanley Cup or something? Try and win an NBA title while coaching college. That would be a new level. I got to admit, maybe he's it's Bill Self. Anything's possible. Maybe he's got something in mind. I'm not all that aware. He's got he he he's got just just about as many draftable players on his team as the Miami Heat do. Miami's Miami's entire team's undrafted. I don't see why we couldn't put Kansas in a best of seven with them and see what happens. And before anybody quotes that, I'm joking. Obviously, Kansas cannot play with the Miami Heat. Uh, it's too late. You said it. They're going to cut it off, share it on Twitter, and there we're, and then we're off into the races. Mm-hmm. Parrish, to mm-hmm. the other part of that question, uh, what is Ken Palm and why is it important to you? Uh, a serious answer? Yeah. I think it it, it can confirm or deny what it is you're seeing so if you say uh, man this this team is great offensively well then there's some data there that can is that true or not you know mm-hmm. like before these advanced metrics existed and i still see it all the time some people on tv they'll say stuff like oh this team really gets up and down and then you go look at the numbers and it's like they really don't get up and down so why are you saying that so it it, it is helpful to me where I can, it just, it makes you smarter about the things I'm getting paid to talk about and write about. And I, you can say, you know, about 40%, you know, a, a, nearly half of Alabama's field goal attempts are going to come from three-point range. It, and, and it's confirmed with what the, the data shows. I just, I use it not as a crutch, that's the wrong word, but um, as a, it's a way to make you hopefully smarter uh, because you can study all the data and have a pretty good idea of of what this team is about. I, I and it, it's it, it gets complicated because not complicated, but you you want to reference the good information and then you also want to give credit to where you're getting it from, and then people go, "God, you just say Ken Palm all the time," but otherwise you're just stealing somebody else's data and presenting it as your own. So you want to give proper credit, but if you give proper credit to everything you're referencing, well, then it just sounds like you're saying Ken Palm, Ken Palm, Bill Self, Kansas, Ken Palm, and Ken Palm. New level. Yeah, new level. Um, and plus, you can sort the data. All right, good good to know. Uh, I, I, I wish Ken would um, create a data point for taking things to another new level. He might he might be doing that, for all we know. Anything Work on that, Ken. Anything could be possible. Um, Caleb from Kansas City writes, I'm indeed one of us. My question is, do you think over-reliance on certain offensive and defensive schemes are a hindrance to program success? We've seen programs like Virginia Blossom under Tony Bennett's play style to the point of winning a national title. Other programs, such as Alabama, have put together impressive seasons but continue to fall short in the throes of March. 
as a Missouri fan, I'm a bit nervous about hearing Dennis Gates reference his willingness to concede rebounding in favor of forcing turnovers and playing in transition. Should I be confident in my team's ability to execute a few things better than 99% of other teams, or should I be worried that my team's weakness in certain areas will be exposed when it matters most? I actually think this question gets to the heart of what a lot of like a lot of people that would listen to this kind of podcast that follow college basketball year round that know their teams inside out that are very aware of like who's on the roster. This is the stuff that, that some fans do worry about and think might be things that either are holding teams back or might be the reason for they have for their success overall Um, to Caleb's question specifically. uh, Is it good for coaches to have a certain philosophy that might be at the expense of other things? Or do you think it's better to have that identity because it makes you more likely to be more successful in the long term? Broadly speaking, GP. I think that in the NBA today, you have to more or less play a certain way to, to, succeed at the highest level um there are there are certain ways you cannot play in the nba you just can't like hey we're gonna full court press you can't like we're 40 minutes of hell you cannot do that in the nba all right so there are certain ways in the nba you simply cannot play perhaps i overstated it a little bit maybe there's uh multiple ways to play and win championships but there are certain ways you cannot play and win championships you can't play and win at all in college basketball and feel free to correct me if you think I'm wrong. I think you can play there any style, and and you could if you if you've got the proper players and they know how to do it, you can win at the highest level of the sport. And we've seen it over and over again. Like we've seen even today, you can win a, 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 the NCAA tournament playing with a traditional big. You can play. Uh, we we you know we've had Nolan Richardson winning. Uh, with 40 minutes of hell, national championship. Tony Bennett, like literally the opposite of that. Yeah. Wins a national championship. I think uh you can, you know, people will point at Alabama and say, yeah, they're 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 fun to watch, but they really are getting you know removed from the NCAA tournament earlier than they should be. And some people will assign that to style of play. But and and when they say style of play, what they mean is all the three point shooting. You know, like nearly half their shots come from three. Villanova won a national championship. Roughly half their shots coming from three. I think you can win it with any style in college basketball if you if you're good enough at it and you got the right players to do it. I, I um, broadly, I think I agree with that. Although I will note that Jim Beheim once won a national championship, yeah. and though this isn't a one to one. You know, Syracuse was on the down swoop for the winter of his career, and he was beholden to a two-three zone. It actually broke him this last season, where they he abandoned, and I believe more in the context of one season than he ever had before. Not to say that you can't win a national championship if you want to play prominently two-three zone, but maybe you can't. And maybe can't really tell in the moment. It's hard to really grasp these things in the moment. Um, but maybe right now where we are in college basketball, maybe we'll get to the end of this decade or the early part of the 2030s, look back and say, that's really when the sport started to shift a little bit to be more like the NBA in terms of there are certain ways you have to play if you want to have success. But I, it's never going to be at that level. The players are not as good. You have more teams. You have more coaches from different backgrounds and different styles make different fights. And that is a I think I find that to be a very appealing part of college basketball that you do have coaches that follow very different doctrines. As to the question, if that will hold if that is prone to potentially hold a, a team back. Yes, but I but just as much. No, in my opinion, like right now, if you're a Missouri fan, 
I don't think you should have that much concern because Dennis Gates just got you 25 wins and you were a seven seed. And yeah, you did wind up getting absolutely punked by an Ivy League team in the second round of the tournament. I get that. But uh, Gates has proven to be a very, very good young coach. Uh, Missouri was tremendous on, on offense and through you know his young head coaching career at Missouri and then Cleveland State, he was a longtime disciple uh, under Leonard Hamilton at, at Florida State. Gates appears to be a good coach. So does that mean that you're not going to get a lot of offensive rebounds? Yeah, that's that has been his style. You're just going to have to live with it and hope that he can recruit around that. Um, but as a reminder, there's one national champion every year, and and you should not gauge your program over whether or not wins not. No, no fan base should, in my opinion, because it's such a high bar to reach. Kansas fans might be the only ones that want to take exception to that. Hey, they're going to a new level. But if you want to gauge it by, are we... Are we, you know, in not even just making the tournament every year is the is the system that our coach is using? Is that is that putting us in a place where we are easily in the tournament every year and more often than not winning games in the tournament? Then I think that's a fair case. Gates is a little bit too early into his career at Missouri to really have any kind of uh, any kind of verdict in on that. But I understand the concern. I think it is an intriguing question. There is no perfect way to play. If, if there would, you know, if there was, uh, everyone would be copying that. It's all about who you can recruit and how you implement your styles. I think it's a major part of why coaches wind up being successful. Next question comes from Colin McDonald. Buddy. I, I actually deleted some names from this list, but the point is hammered home with what he, what he lists here. All right. Give me about 15 minutes to get. He's a huge fan, by the way. Colin sent us a number of emails. I wanted to give him a little bone here. I finally included one in the mailbag. Give me about 25 minutes to get through this. Sounds good. I could either read your Drew Timmy's column or this question. (laughs) Which would you prefer? Let's go with the question. Okay. (laughs) Recently, I have been thinking about some of the players who have excelled in the NCAA but not been drafted highly or even at all. I got to thinking and was able to identify a pretty solid and identifiable group. We all get why teams take big swings and usually miss on top picks, length, athleticism, upside, etc. And I'm not suggesting that these players are top 10 picks. However, winning at the highest level in 2022 or 23 takes A, superstar talent, B, shooting, C, exceptional guard play on both ends. From the top of my head, he looked up uh, at basketball reference the following guards, Jamal Tinsley, was taken 27th, Steve Blake, 38th, Mo Williams, 47th, Jameer Nelson, 20th, Jarrett Jack, 22nd, Kyle Lowry, 24th, Ramon Sessions, 56th, George Hill, 26th, Garn Dragic, uh, 45, Drew Holiday, 17, Ty Lawson, 18, Jeff Teague, 19, Pat Beverly, 42, Danny Green, 46, Patty Mills, 55, Reggie Jackson, 24, Spencer Dinwiddie, 38, Tyus Jones, 24, Fred Van Vliet, undrafted, Monty Morris, 51, Jalen Brunson, Jalen Brunson was taken 33rd. I watch a ton of college and NBA hoops, as Colin continues, and almost to a man could have told you that these guys would have 10-year NBA careers and contribute to good teams if given the chance. Sounds like Colin should be running an NBA franchise then. It's not hard to see. I bet if we took a deep dive into the draft, more of those players have washed out than these guys. Memphis is a real-time example, and as a result, we have to listen to Chris Vernon ad nauseum rant about these guys, but they have done a great job of building through the draft. Why are teams not valuing good pros who will make you better in the 20 to 40 range? Um Good question, and I brought it in because we're on the precipice of the draft. I I think think the the most overlooked player from an NBA draft perspective, if we're talking about guys who are really good in college, Mm -hmm. it's that if they have – they seemingly have physical limitations, and a lot of it will be – 
They're not super athletes or they're, they're small for their position. So Fred Van Vliet's a perfect example. They're, if you watch Fred Van Vliet on the grassroots level, Fred Van Vliet at Wichita State, all he did is win. He ran his team and he won. He was fabulous. Greg Marshall once told me the story about, because I, I did a, a story on Fred, uh, I guess, after the Final Four when they got off to that undefeated season start. They were undefeated for a while. And um, Greg said, the, the, when I would go watch Fred Van Vliet, who played for like just a local grassroots team, wasn't one of the big Nike-funded ones. He played um, for a team out of Rockford, I believe. And Greg said, Fred Van Vliet was unranked, like not a top 100 guy or anything like that. But then I'd go watch him, and I forget who he said, but like let's say Marcus Page's name pops into my head. Uh, but I, I'd go watch him play against this other point guard who's ranked like as the fourth best point guard in the class, and Fred's team would win. And then the next game, they'd play another team, and it's like, oh, this guy's the sixth-ranked point guard in the class, and then Fred's team would win. These guys were all supposed to be better than Fred Van Vliet. Their teammates were better than Fred Van Vliet's teammates, but Fred Van Vliet's team won every time. And I was like, the guy just wins. And then he came to Wichita State, and they go to a Final Four, and then they have another incredible season. He was great. And yet he goes undrafted. And I remember, I, I think this is right, um, Wichita State played Arizona in the NCAA tournament. And, okay, do you remember the Sean Miller moment? Sean Miller had this moment with Fred Van Vliet in the handshake line. Yeah. And you could see them talking, but it's unclear what they're talking about. And somebody in the press conference, I believe, asked Sean, Hey, we saw you have a moment with Fred Van Vliet. What did you tell him? And he said, I told him, don't ever let anybody tell you you can't play in that league. You, you're good enough to play in that league. Don't let anybody tell you you can't. I'm telling you, yeah, you can play in that league. Still, he goes undrafted. And he didn't have a great season this season, but he has been great in the NBA. And so why, why does Fred Van Vliet, he was on a Final Four team. He was a conference player of the year. He was an All-American this ain't some guy who played in some low level. Like, why did who? Why how did they miss on this guy? Because he's short and not athletic. And so they just say, yeah, "Well, he's not going to be able to." But then you put him in the games, and and he wins. He's an NBA champion. And and not all the guys on that list, but a lot of the guys on that list that uh, Colin uh, laid out for us, they're they're gonna one of two things, if not both. They're not great athletes, or they have poor positional size, or both. That's why those guys get overlooked. Yeah, and this is a it's a great question. It's a complex issue because you know there are obviously guys that were also drafted in that range that are a similar mold that didn't hit, but there are plenty that have, and they've they've got some sort of element to what GP just laid out to them, or they just uh, and there's a few non-college players on that list, but when they played in college, they were so clearly very very good and accomplished, and they had certain attributes to them that would make you think like, yeah, why shouldn't this player be picked? five to 10 to 15 spots higher than they were um, a few names in this year's class. And, and for the most part, what Colin's bringing up here are guards, guys that are six, one to six, five for the most part. It's, it's specifically guards that might be either undersized, not that athletic. Um, I don't see an overwhelming amount of them here, but to Colin's point, will we, will we look up in five years time and, see that, you know, Kaysom Wallace, he's going to go anywhere from 13 to 20. Will he be picked five to seven spots too late? You know, Jordan Hawkins quite clearly looks awesome 
and may not go top 10. Well, we look up and he's like the fifth best player in this class. Well, well, Hawkins specifically, he fits, I think, to the emailer's point on this overall. Uh, Nick Smith Jr. has had some injury issues, but like he he actually from an athletic standpoint, like he's he's thin, but he kind of fits the mold. He's going to probably get picked later. He was once projected to be a top 10 pick. Now no one thinks he's going to go there. He could be one there. Andre Jackson Jr. has all the athleticism. He obviously looks like a player that can be a long-term NBA player. He just doesn't have the shot. Will he grow into it? And then we'll look up in five years and be like, why the hell did Andre Jackson Jr. go 29th when he's the 10th best player? That is inevitable. I think sometimes general managers, and it's to, to no fault of their own, they will see players and they have all these ways of testing and the scientific methods around drafting players now is so much more advanced than it was even 15 years ago that they try and land it with projections. There are no... There is no perfect way of doing it, and a lot of it is fit. A lot of it is player. It's where you go, who you play for, the city you go to, all these other factors that go into it. But I have long found it fascinating. When Jalen Brunson got drafted, I, you know, metaphorically pounded the table. I'm like, there's no chance in hell this dude's going to be a second-round talent. Like, he is one of the 15-plus players in this draft. You can't convince me otherwise. And, uh, you know, sometimes I miss, sometimes I hit, but that quite clearly, like, Jalen Brunson's been, what, like a top-five player in that draft. So, um it is intriguing to see. We will see it happen again. Sometimes, you know, they're just going to take the guy with more perceived upside, even if that means there's a higher chance that that player flames out. And, and still to this day, the most important thing in the NBA is athleticism. Now, athleticism on a guy who can't play basketball, that's a, it's wasted athleticism. But it, it's still the most important thing. And in, in, in you start reading um, any of these draft profiles, scouting reports, like you, you'll constantly see descriptions like this. It's a top-shelf athlete, but it hasn't shown an ability to reliably shoot. Now, you ready for this? That guy will still get picked. He can't. It's literally in the breakdown. He can't shoot, but he's an incredible athlete. Yes. That guy will still get picked. Now, you ready? Let's flip it around. Amazing shooter, terrible athlete. That guy won't get picked. Sometimes will, but not, not always. Yes, correct. There's the, the inverse is more likely to happen. And it's super interesting to see how that uh, how that stuff kind of plays out year after year after year. I'm gonna we're gonna wrap up here. I said we'd get out in an hour, but I do want to at least address a, a listener question in the live chat that I think is worth talking about. Connor asks, "Do you think UConn will actually leave the Big East for the Big 12? We can include Gonzaga in here as well. Dennis Dodd wrote a story on Tuesday for CBSSports.com that was more about Brett Yormark's charge to get one or both of those schools into the big 12. He didn't get too much into the likelihood of that happening in talking with sources about this for a couple of months now. And uh, I think Barry Trammell had this as well earlier this week. He echoed something that I had heard back and that is at the athletic director level, which is not the decisive level. The presidents are the one that ultimately decide this, but at the athletic director level, there is not an appetite to absolutely get Gonzaga and or UConn into the league, particularly Gonzaga, which does not have football and doesn't up the valuation. Now, it would make an incredible basketball league. Um, I'm not sure. All these things are connected. Uh, there were multiple reports that came up before we went on this this live mailbag episode about how the Pac-12, in theory, has a grant of rights agreement uh, that has been agreed to by the 10-member schools, which means that if that were to happen and it actually goes through, the Big 12 does not pull Colorado out, and it does not pull Arizona or Arizona State out. We will see if that happens. If that were to be the case, would that increase the likelihood that the Big 12 would indeed go after 
UConn and everything and Gonzaga, which would also be for everything, but it doesn't have football there. What are your, we haven't really talked about this too yeah. much on the pod. So GPIM and, and we haven't talked about it privately. What are your thoughts? Maybe not even if it'll happen, but like, do you think it should happen? Should UConn, leave the Big East for the Big 12 when it would make the university a lot more money, but obviously put them a bit of a fish out of water just as they were in the American. And that wound up pushing them back to the Big East to begin with. I, this would not be my normal answer to a question like this, but I think as for this specific question, I, I think it matters. What do your fans want? Mm-hmm. Like, like do your fans want to try to have, you know, big time football um, or, or do they just care about being awesome at men's basketball and women's basketball? And they're much more comfortable doing that in a conference they're familiar with, like the Big East. Like, what do your fans want? I, I think if you're just like trying, if you think of it as running a business, hey, we're running a business, we're running a college athletic department here. It, as, and we're running it like a business. I think the right thing to go do is go if you can go. It's, 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 I, I'm assuming wildly more money. And it puts your football program in a legitimate conference and your basketball program in what is arguably, if not undeniably, the best conference in America. So in a vacuum, why wouldn't you want to do those things? But UConn, I think maybe more than any other school, is really um, connected to the Big East and really comfortable in the Big East. Like they've already tried to go to a different league once. And they decided this is not worth it. Like we would rather have our men's basketball program in the Big East than have our football program in a legitimate football league. They, they were willing to sacrifice that to go back to the Big East. So that's why I say like it, it might not matter to them what's the smart thing to do or what's the more lucrative thing to do as much as we're comfortable doing what we're doing. And we don't want to we don't want to mess with happy. We're happy right now. We don't care about football. And our men's basketball program is the reigning national champion and in a conference with familiar rivals and in a conference that we grew up watching. I know it's not the same version of it, but you get the, the names the same. You know, if they want that, then, then maybe that is reason enough to stay. But in a vacuum, if you were just, hey, nothing else matters about what's other than what's the smartest thing to do for our athletic department as a business, then you, you, you would absolutely go to the Big 12 if you could. It would make the UConn more money, but the fans don't get that money. <laughs> like, right. and, and fan feedback uh, was not an insignificant factor in getting UConn back to the Big East in, in general. Um, not to say that that was the biggest reason, but come on now. These universities, the athletic departments, these athletic directors, they are very much um, in tune with what the, the populace supporting these programs um, wants and desires and and sometimes that actually can move mountains it did for UConn it would be a, a horrendous mistake for UConn to leave the Big East I, I don't care if it's going to give UConn 30 million dollars more per year in its operating budget that's good for UConn athletics but you're doing that at what sacrifice you know there is a, there is something to be said in college sports in general now a lot of this has gotten stripped away and, and frankly it sucks but it's built upon a lot of these things that can be provincial and rivalries and, and being in an area where you might, uh, you might have a neighbor who, I mean, hell, I, I, so I live in Connecticut. I got uh, neighborhoods I run through and there's one part of, of a neighborhood just across the street where I, if, if I run past it, one house has got a Yukon flag, two houses down, there's a, there's a solid backboard and the backboard is a Providence Friars logo. And there's that, like that kind of stuff really builds up um, what, gets fans invested in their alma maters or the schools that they want to root for. UConn doesn't care about football. It can invest all it wants. It's never going to matter. It was, wants to go to the Big 12 so it can be a, a doormat. It wants to go to the Big 12, which is a better basketball league, making it less likely that it will be get higher seeds 
and better year-over-year records, traveling more. I just don't find it to be worth it. I ultimately don't think that that's going to happen. And not, you know, I can knock on wood. I can be wrong, whatever. I don't think UConn's going to leave the Big East for the Big 12. I'm not convinced the Big 12 wants that to happen. Gonzaga is interesting. Gonzaga, I would absolutely do it if I could. Gonzaga wants to get out of the WCC. We'll see if it can. Mark Few wants to leave that program in a better situation than when he got there. And the Pac-12 is also interested. Was I was told that the Pac-12 has gone to Gonzaga and said, uh, if and if and when you do have an opportunity to move, do not make any moves without you know talking to us first. And there's a consulting firm. Dodd gets into that. Uh, that's kind of guiding Gonzaga through this process there. Gonzaga and the Pac-12 just makes more sense than the Big 12. But if I can get into either, I definitely try and make that move. To me, it, it makes more sense with Gonzaga. Having said that, and I'll wrap on this, I don't know if Brett Yormark uh, would be content with just one or the other. If he's going to try and upgrade the basketball league, is he going to want to get at least a pair of teams? Um, And if you did that, you would truly make the Big 12 the most national conference in the country, which has its pros and and definitely its drawbacks. Like a lot of this stuff is is tied to grant rights and money. And like you have a team in, in stores and you have a team in Spokane, UConn and Gonzaga have already agreed to a two-year like quasi home and home. Like they're playing in Spokane, they're playing at the Garden. They, they, they've already managed that on their own. They don't need a conference to really make that happen. So it is interesting. It's been getting a lot of buzz as of late. We'll see where it goes. I don't know how imminent or not it is. Uh, I would prefer that UConn stay in the Big East and Gonzaga getting into a bigger league. I just think it would make the sport more interesting. But we uh, we'll wait and see. Is that a podcast? I guess so. I did mention uh, my issues with uh, George Washington calling themselves the revolutionaries. Six syllable nickname, GP. They could have been the blue fog. What are we doing here? Six syllables. Six syllables. Four syllable max on a team moniker. What are we doing? And why don't you go blue fog? Doesn't that sound badass? Revolutionaries. George Washington blue fogs. The George Washington blue fog. Yeah. Blue fog would have been cool. Yeah. That would have been I don't care what anybody calls themselves. I know. You call yourself whatever you want. Here, this is something that occurred to me with nicknames, uh, team names. Yeah, they all sound stupid until you just uh, decide that they're not. Okay, if 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 think about if the Boston Red Sox never existed, you've never heard that before. Yeah, yeah, I know. Never, I hear you. Never heard that before. And then um, you said uh, hey, you know, GW is getting a new nickname, and and he said, what is it? And uh, somebody said they're going to be the George Washington Red Sox. You'd be like, what? <laughs> I'm not disagreeing. They're naming themselves after a pair after Red Sox. Like that, that sounds stupid, but that is one of the great franchise names we have. Yeah, but like but New it York Yankees, that makes that makes sense given given the history there. You know, I, I hear you. There are a lot of bad ones, but not everyone's bad. Okay, you ready? Hey, I got a hey. You've never heard this before, okay? So you're starting fresh. You're starting fresh. Okay. Hey, I got a baseball team. We're going to put it in Chicago. Oh, cool. What are you going to call it? Cubs? Yeah. Chicago big, Cubs? Big bear population in Illinois. People don't know. But oh, well, Milwaukee well, Brewers, perfect. Well, why did the football team get to be the Bears and we got to be the little Cubs? The Cubs came first, and because it's football and it's tougher, George Hallis named them the Bears. That's why. Yeah, but like, can you agree that naming your team after a baby bear is kind of yeah, weird jersey on right now buddy yeah yeah like it's it's all it feels normal Great. now because that's all we've ever known is the chicago cubs Great but logo. it sounds it sounds goofy i hear you but some of them are good like what name one i just did milwaukee brewers that makes sense milwaukee brewers is fine uh there's some great ones out there um seattle seahawks bird native to the region great great one seattle supersonics rest in peace May you I, 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 here's my point 
I can't remember the last time we heard a new name for something, college or professional franchise, and we went, oh, yeah, that's perfect. You ready? Washington Commanders. Terrible. Terrible. Cleveland Guardians. Uh, Not bad. I don't They care. should have been the Spiders. That would have been badass. The Cleveland yeah. Spiders? Yeah, Spiders. Why the Spiders? I believe... Um, I believe it was the former name of the professional league way back in the day. And uh, also, Spider Man originally from Cleveland, Ohio. People don't know sure. that. Gosh. He moved to New York very young. We do have someone saying Seattle Kraken. I thought that was perfect, but that was controversial. Some people hated the name Kraken. Seattle Kraken. Yeah, everybody. <laughs> somebody, somebody said in the in the comments, uh, George Washington head jobs. <laughs> Can't say that. You can't say that. You can't say that. That's a good place to wrap here. Yeah. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huck and Larnow. And thank you guys for listening to another episode of the Ion College Basketball. We live down to our reputation in this one. You know, every once in a while, people will say, I like those guys, but they don't really talk about basketball all that much. We got plenty of hoops talk on the back end. We, we, we live down to our reputation today. We're going to have more hoops coming later this week on the feed. Yeah, we'll see about that. We'll see about that. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple and Spotify. More of us than there are of them. It needs to be reflected in the comments. And like Deadleg said, we'll talk to you again real soon. Until then, uh, take care.